We're going to go ahead and get started, even if there's some people that are going to come in after this. We, we need to go ahead and try to stay true to our, to our time schedule. So um, we'll jump into it this morning. I feel like, I feel like our class is diminishing somewhat. I, yeah, feel like... I, don't know. I wasn't here last week, Marshall, but y'all must have done something to run everybody <laughs> off. I don't know. Or <clears throat> maybe people knew that a certain person was going to yeah. be up here hey. at the front. Or whatever. No, that can't be it. That can't be it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Bonnie uh, has or had, maybe you gave him somebody, or he's at the door, handing out um, uh, worksheets, or not worksheets, class notes, handouts. And uh, just to remind everybody, when you get this, if you'd like to, click on that QR code up there in the top corner. That'll open that Padlet app. And if you want to, um, if we don't get to answering your question, or if you don't feel comfortable raising your hand and asking a question, uh, you can submit it on that Padlet. And then uh, Monty's going to be moderating that during class. And so, um, you know, he'll ask some of the questions that, are, that you guys have submitted on there. Uh, and then also, uh, probably tomorrow, uh, if not tomorrow, definitely by Tuesday, I will get back on um, that particular Padlet. And if you ask a question that didn't get answered in class, I'll make sure to, to post an answer to that. So um, I try to do that by the day after if not the day of, the day after. So just wanted you to know about that. Okay, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So if you got your Bibles, your Bible apps, uh, go ahead and turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Um, we talked last week about chapter 11. We talked about uh, the, the, I guess, the headgear, the head coverings uh, that women um, were wearing in the Corinthian church or not wearing and need to wear. So uh, if you missed that, you can go back on our website. We've got all these classes um, that we're doing posted on our website, everything we've done so far. So you can go back on that and, and, uh, and listen to that, watch that. Uh, just a quick reminder again, a couple of things we're, that we're wanting to make sure we focus on in this class. One is, as we talk about um, exegesis and hermeneutics, those are really big words, exegesis meaning we're going to figure out what, does, what did this particular scripture mean to the people that it was written to at that time in that culture. And then uh, hermeneutics is the question of, okay, well, now we know that, what does that mean for us today? And we can't have a clear picture of what it means for us today if we don't have a clearer picture of what it meant when it was originally written. So that's what we're working on um, in, in these classes together. Uh, also, over the top of that handout, we had a, a, a few Greek words. Some of these we went over last week. But it will be important with our discussion in chapter 14 as well. That we have this uh, Greek word, aner or andros. Uh, either one of those means man, but it also means husband. And then gune or gunakos for woman or wife. And it's the same Greek word that can be translated either way. You just kind of had to either pay attention to the context or figure out on your own which one is being talked about. Is this, being, is this a male uh, is, or is this a husband? Is this just a random female or is this a wife? And so... That's going to become important. It was important last week, but it's going to become important in our discussion in chapter um, 14 as well. And then uh, we also have another Greek word uh, today, sagao, uh, which means to be or to become silent, which is kind of a broad, a broad term. We'll, we'll talk more about that. Okay? We good? Good. Okay, so we're specifically going to look at verses 26 to 40. And if you don't mind, if, you got, yep. if you'll just go ahead and read that for us, okay. um, <clears throat> that's where we'll start. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting in verse 26. You say through 40. Through 40. Okay. Through the All end right. of the chapter. 
And I'm reading from NIV. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three, should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they will themselves be ignored. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Okay, so a couple things before we, we get into the, well, I guess as we're getting into the text, to point out, depending on what version, uh, what translation of the Bible that you're looking at, you may have had some different uh, words or wording there uh, than what Jeremy just read. For example, verses 33 and 34, um, I think yours ended, yes. verse 33 ended with, as in, how to say it? Well, 33 in, in, in NIV says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Okay, now, the NIV from 1984, which is what I'm reading, uh, <clears throat> ends with, For God is not a, uh, a God of disorder, but of peace, and then it starts a new sentence. Yeah. As in the congregations of all of, of, of the saints, comma, and then it goes into yeah. verse 34. So um, just so you know, it's one of those two. Probably every translation, if we had you raise your hands, which one it is, it's usually one of those two. And we got to kind of figure out for ourselves, is he, is he saying that God's not a God of disorder in all the congregations, or is he saying in all the congregations, women, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And we got we to figure that out on our own. Because there's one thing about, I know I talk about Greek language a lot, but it's important that this was originally written in, in ancient Greek, and the original text back in Paul's time, they didn't use punctuation. So that's very important for us to know. Uh, it's not just the Greek words, but when they wrote, there was no punctuation. So when you see commas, periods, quotation marks, those kinds of things, we've done that. We've, we've added those things uh, to help us make sense of <clears throat> where the sentences start and stop and, and that kind of stuff. So different scholars, different translators have... Translated this, obviously, different yeah. ways, even, with, even yeah. within the last 20 years. I was going to say, it's interesting that your NIV is actually different than my NIV. Yeah, so that they're both NIV. is telling, yes. you know, in and of itself. So we just got to kind of figure that, you know, out um, on our own. There was another, uh, what was it? There was something else about the text that I was going to say, but I forgot. So it doesn't matter at this point. I'll remember it here in a minute. Um, so looking at your... At your Maybe um, there are footnotes in some Bibles oh, that say it. that that's 34 it. and 35 actually weren't in that position in mm -hmm. the sequence of verses, that maybe they were at the very end. Um, mm -hmm. So I think there's some discussion about... Yeah, there's some, there's some folks that think that 34 and 35 belong at the very end right. of this. Um, 
what I what I have found is that uh, there's somebody that I was reading through two weeks ago, a, a, a Greek scholar type person who said that the most original, the closest to the original manuscripts that we have of 1 Corinthians uh, places it where it is, you know, at, at verses 34 and 35, for whatever that's worth, okay? But I did remember the other thing. Some of you might have a footnote uh, in verse 30, what was that, 38? Like mine says, if he ignores this, he himself will be ignored. I think yours says something like that. Mm-hmm. But some of you might have a translation that says, if he wants to remain ignorant about this, he can remain ignorant. Does anybody have that? Yep. A couple people? Okay, or you got a footnote that says something like that. So again, Greek word, and they're trying to, you know, uh, is, is, are we just ignoring this person, or is this person just, you know, being ignorant? And so we got to kind of, it, it doesn't have a huge bearing on what we're talking about today. But just know there's, when you see that and you're like, well, that's not what my, what Jeremy read was not what my Bible said. Um, that's, that's why there's some differences there. Okay, getting into the text, what, what seems to be the big issue overall that Paul is addressing here? Huh? Tongues is, is part of it. Anybody else? Order, making sure we're doing things in worship in order. That's a big part of this. This is in the context, if you look at your handouts, this is the context of spiritual gifts. It doesn't just start here in chapter 14. If you go back to chapter 12, that's where the first part of this discussion um, begins. In chapter 12, uh, Paul starts talking about spiritual gifts. And he says, we, got, we have all sorts of spiritual gifts. He names some of them off. Um, and then he goes into a really long uh, metaphor about the church and about the spiritual gifts that we have and, and comparing the church to a body. The body has a whole bunch of different parts. All those parts perform different functions, but all those different functions from all those different parts, you know, work together for the benefit of the body, right? And the same thing, he says, you know, it's the same thing about our spiritual gifts. We have a whole bunch of different spiritual gifts, there's a variety of them. They all function in different ways. They all have different purposes, but they all blend together to benefit the church, the spiritual body. Then, although sometimes we're like, okay, end of spiritual gifts discussion. Chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13 is known as what? The love chapter. That's all. It's just Paul just decided to randomly talk about love. No, if you read the very first few verses of chapter 13, he talks about tongues. He talks about prophecy. And he says, listen, if I could do those things, if I could speak in the tongues of angels, whatever other language it is that angels speak, if I could do that, uh, but I don't have love, then it's worthless. It's pointless. He's still talking about spiritual gifts. If, if God has given me this ability, if God has given me this gift, and I'm just using it for me, and I'm making it all about me, and I'm not using that gift to demonstrate love to someone else, that's a waste. It is a giant waste of time. So spiritual gifts, chapter 12, spiritual gifts with love in chapter 13. Now he gets to chapter 14. He says, okay, let's be really practical here. When is it most often that we're using these spiritual gifts? At least tongues and prophecy. In the assembly, right? Does everybody agree with that? Because if you, if you read through... Even the first part, we start in verse 26, but if you go through the first half of um, chapter 14, 
he's he's talking about when you guys come together, and he talks about how what a he describes what a chaotic scene it was when people came to church in Corinth, and the chaos was caused by people trying to demonstrate their spiritual gifts. There are people who can speak in tongues, which is just so we all understand that's being able to miraculously speak in a foreign language that they had no knowledge of, no experience in. But suddenly they're blessed with the ability to speak in tongues, to say something in, I mean, for us, it'd be, you know, I don't know, Spanish or, you know, Chinese or, or uh, French or whatever. I, I haven't taken any of those classes. But if all of a sudden I started speaking eloquently in those kind of languages, that would definitely be a miracle. That'd be a spiritual gift. That's what was happening in the Corinthian church. And some of these people that had that gift were like, ooh, I got something to say you know, and just, and just start speaking. And then somebody else who had a gift would want to jump up and prove that they had that gift too, and they would start speaking in whatever language they had the gift in. Can you imagine on a Sunday morning with us being here together, if, if all of a sudden, you know, Jeremy and I both just started talking, just randomly talking, and we're talking in different languages, and then somebody out here is like, oh yeah, well, and they stand up and start talking in a different language. How, how, how much of a benefit would that be? And they probably were doing that, obviously. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That's what was happening. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what's happening in the Corinthian church. And then you got these prophets. And prophecy, a lot of times we think of that as like, almost like fortune telling. Uh, And sometimes prophecy had a um, a future kind of, um, you know, feel to it or whatever. But um, uh, it wasn't always that way. Prophecy is simply God giving someone a message and saying, I want you to share this message with other people. And it was a, a direct message from God, which was important, especially in the um, early church, because why? They didn't have this. They didn't have printed pages. They had letters from Paul and Peter and stuff like that, or they had to rely on someone receiving a message from God and sharing it with everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. So you got Multiple people who have the ability to prophesy, which Paul is all for prophecy. He thinks it's great. Uh, I think it's one of his yep. favorites, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem was this person had a prophecy, and they started talking, and this person like, oh, wait, God just beamed something down to me. And then somebody else is like, no, nah, I got a message too. And they all start talking all at the same time. And then you got your tongue speaker speaking. You know, and maybe they're talking to the prophet and going, tell me what you once said, and I'll say it in a different language. And then, like, it's just, and that's yeah. just two of the gifts. Well, and then on top of that, on the prophecy side, you had to have the interpreters or the judges of the prophecies, right. too, that had to speak up and yeah. confirm that that was what and the message was being and delivered. And ask questions and all those kinds of and things. And ask questions. Yeah. So it was a chaotic scene. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. That's a good question. The question is about, or the statement is about tongues uh, back in this time being intelligible languages versus what we see oftentimes uh, with groups today who speak in tongues. And I, I'm not going to take time to address that today, but, but from what I can, t- just quick answer, from what I can tell um, when it's talked about in scripture and the Greek word that's talked about in scripture is, is a word that refers to languages, like just different languages, not necessarily just different syllables and words so for whatever that's worth um go ahead i don't want you to lose your train of thought marshall i do want to reinforce the point though that this whole chapter here is talking about the the meeting of these christians mm-hmm. and so like in up in uh the same chapter in 14 and verse 4 it says anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves but the one who's 
prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather you prophesy. Uh, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Mm-hmm. He's addressing church setting here throughout this entire chapter. Right, and going back to what you read originally in verse 26, um, he even says, when you come together, everyone has a song, everyone has a message. Right. That, you know. So we're talking about the church being together, and we're talking about it being chaotic because everybody is so proud of the spiritual gift they have, they want, they want to show it off to other people. So, it's a long way to come back to this. This chapter 14 is part of a, a single train of thought um, for Paul when it comes to spiritual gifts and how to use them properly so that the whole body benefits from it. Chapter 12, we have all these different spiritual gifts. Chapter 13, if we don't use love, there's no point to the spiritual gifts. Chapter 14, okay, let's be, let's be practical about how we actually use these things in the most loving way and the most encouraging way. Does that make sense? So that's one of the big things um, that Paul is addressing here. And then, as I said, uh, I, I heard the voice from this direction, so I'm not sure who it was that called it out. But as, as we said uh, earlier, um, the other part of this is, is about worship, making sure this is done in order. Let's make sure that we're, that we're doing things, not that it has to be uh, regimented. It's not, you know, Paul's not going, okay, here's exactly how the worship plan is going to look every single Sunday. It's not that, but he's just saying there, there's, some, there's some, um, some boundaries we can put in place some, and some guidelines to put in place to help this be done in the most orderly way so that everyone benefits from it and everyone is encouraged by it. Yeah, and 26 says, so that the church may be built up. You mm-hmm. know, and if we really think about what that means, what is the church? It's us, right? Mm-hmm. It's those of us that are in this room, and so that, it's so that we can grow and mature and also support and help one another. I think that's what uh, uh, that is intended to mean there. Yeah. Okay, so real quick. Because we're going to get into verses 34 and 35. Is there any questions that anybody has about what we said so far? Monty, we good? Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, so verses 34 and 35 is, is where we get, uh, I guess, the most discussion probably in this, in, in this chapter, uh, at least within, within our denomination for sure, um, and just talking about what, is, what exactly is, is being talked about here. So uh, let's read it again. Can you read it? Yep, 34 and 35. Uh-huh. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. That was pretty straightforward to me. Yeah, all right, and class is done. Thank you for coming today. <laughs> so it seems pretty straightforward, right? I mean, that's what a lot of us, you know... Uh, believe or have have grown up uh, being taught is that it's really straightforward okay the women are to be silent so then the question becomes and and we've written some of these down for you in in the handout like exactly what is um, Paul addressing here when it comes to women about what they can and can't do when the church uh, gets together so one way to look at this is that women are to be completely silent when the church is gathered together because that's what he says right Women will be silent in the church. I'm not trying to pose that as a trick question. I'm saying that's, I mean, that's one way to look at it. Correct? I'm waiting to see heads nod and make sure we're listening. Okay. So, 
if that's the case, then can, can women, I'm not talking about getting up and leading, but can women in the, in the assembly, when someone has a song, when we, when we sing together, can women sing? See a couple of heads. Yeah. Okay. So they can sing. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying not to be total lecture time. So they can sing. <laughs> can he plead the fifth? You can. Plead the fifth. So, uh, so women can sing audibly. I'm just clarifying. Like you can, like with know. volume, they can Segeo sing. Segeo says silent, Marshall. So that's that's the hangup, isn't it? I mean, if women are to be silent, can they sing? Can they talk with each other? If someone says, "How are you today?" Since we're in the assembly, can't say anything. What if a woman, like when we get done, you know, we offer an invitation. We offer uh, an invitation for people to come and share what's on their hearts. Can women come do that? Can they walk to the front and say, this is what's going on in my life right now. And I, I like prayers. I'd like help. Or do they have to write it down and hand it to us because women can't speak in the assembly? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to get to that too. Right. I'm just, I'm looking at just the, just the straightforward word. If we just take it as it is, what we typically do is say women will be silent in the church. They can't, they can't speak. So we'll, we'll say, well, it's what I got you, Jake. It's what the, it's what the text says. But if we, if we take that out as far as we are allowed to carry it. Women can't speak at all. As soon as they walk in the room, we say, we are now worshiping. I don't know if you have an opening prayer and now, like, you know, I'm, I'm being tacky. Uh, but, it, but as soon as we all get in the room together, hey, we're meeting together as a church. Women, zip it up. Yeah. We, don't, we don't do that, right? That's not our practice, right? So are we already not doing what Paul said? Jake, go ahead. I was just going to see um, verse 34, it says, Mm-hmm. So that caught my eye just this morning looking at that. I'm like, what law? What yeah. law are we talking about? Didn't know if you could comment on that. And then lastly, in verse 35, he's saying, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. That's this version. So mm-hmm. it's like he's talking about something that's maybe not that controversial for the times, for mm-hmm. what it seem. Because if somebody were to do something disgraceful today, seems like it would be pretty obvious that that's disgraceful or inappropriate, right? So it seems like it's pretty obvious or disgraceful, whatever he's right. addressing. So can you guys, yeah. in your studies, anything come up on, on those two points? Yeah, so let me just refer, yeah, people watching later online or people across the room that didn't hear. Um, two questions. One is in verse 34 where he, said, where he says we're going to be silent as the law says. Which law are we talking about? What is Paul addressing there? And the second part in verse 35 that is uh, shameful or disgraceful, depending on what your translation um, reads, uh, for a woman to, is it for a woman to speak in the assembly? Let me see. Um, it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. What, what was shameful about it at that time? Does that still apply to us nowadays? Is something being shameful? Is that the question? Go ahead. Do we want to address that now? Uh, we can. Yeah, I think, I actually, Jake, I think those are 
actually pointing to the same thing. And, and I actually dug into this because I got hung up on that too as we started reading through this. And uh, Marshall, in case you didn't know, the Bible was originally written in a different language. Oh, yeah. all right. And so the word law that's referenced here uh-huh. is actually nomos yes. in the Greek language, uh, which can also be translated into social norm, okay, or kind of the ordinary way of doing things or the acceptable way of doing things. Because there's no mention, uh, I don't, Marshall, correct me if I'm wrong, but this women remaining silent thing, there's no mention in the Old Testament or the old law that we have of women needing to remain silent when, uh, you know, they were worshiping God or right. anything like that. Right. Um, and so, you know, it There were could female be. singers in the temple. There were, right. like, there was definitely women participating audibly. Right. There's nothing in the Old Testament, yes, that says don't do that. It, Every indication is that he is referencing some kind of localized social norm in that culture at that time. That's, that's my takeaway from reading through that. Yes, or, uh, I'm not disagreeing with that, or uh, there is, um, I mean, we've got the Old Testament, you know, the Law and the Prophets, Genesis through Malachi, but, you know, the, Malachi was written 400 years before Jesus was on this earth. Uh, you know, for that 400 years up until Jesus came, and even while Jesus was there and after, there were oral laws, oral traditions that were taught to the people in the synagogues and stuff by the Pharisees, the experts in the law, the teachers of the law, that we don't, we don't have them in our Bibles in the Old Testament because they weren't part of the original law of Moses and the prophets. But at least by the Jewish culture, they were... They were equivalent with Moses' law, and they were referred to as the law. It wasn't just the law of Moses. Um, it would include the, the oral traditions and laws that had been kind of accepted um, as teaching. Does that make sense by the time that, that Paul is writing this? And Paul would have had, you know, before he became a Christian, he was an expert in the law. And he even says that, I think, in his book to, to the Philippians. Like, he, he knew not just what we have uh, here in our, in our Bibles, but he knew all those extra rules and laws and traditions and all those kinds of things. He, ha- he had a, a keen awareness of those things too. Yes, ma'am. That's okay. I can hear you. Is that from Libby, uh, he wrote the history of Rome. Mm-hmm. And that may have been one. And one of the things that's really interesting about this passage that Paul's giving, it's almost a direct quote from Cato when the opium wars, when punic wars happened and there's the opium law, and women were not allowed to wear a certain amount of ounces of like gold, they couldn't right. wear any carriages, because they were trying to save money for these wars that he, they would eventually win. Mm-hmm. But after the wars, they kept the rule for the women. Mm-hmm. So the women were like, what's going on, dude? Things are good now. Yeah. Why do we have to keep this law when we can't do the things that we used to be able to do? Yeah. And so women came forward, and that's when Cato said, Oh, you need to go ask your husband these questions. You can't go and be like this. So it may be Paul referencing a law that doesn't have to do with the Bible at all, okay. but about Roman history. Okay. I hadn't heard that before. But that, so the point is, uh, uh, Roman in Roman history, in the wars that they fought before the first century, um, that they had passed some laws, uh, especially for women, as far as like their attire, especially jewelry and stuff like that, to help <laughs> preserve some money for the for the coffers to pay the soldiers and stuff. Uh, and that those laws continued to be in place 
uh, afterwards. And maybe that's what Paul is referring to and saying, you need to go ask your husband if that, if that law is still um, in effect or not. So let's see, um, kind of getting back to, because um, I'm going to keep answering these questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me get back to, to talking about like, what is, what is it that Paul is getting at here? Uh, and not get back to it, but, but continue on, on, on that theme. Um, that on your handouts, it says keep quiet. That's supposed to say keep quiet, just so you know. Uh, keep quiet in the Greek is sagao, but this is not the first time that this is used, even in this chapter. So if you go back up, there's two other times uh, that Paul uses it, even in the verses that Jeremy read at the very beginning of class. Okay, so in verse uh, 28, um, it says, if there is no interpreter, talking about speaking in tongues, the, the rules that, that Paul gave for tongue speaking. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself uh, and to God. And he's given rules after that in the next paragraph for the prophets. Here's how we're going to handle prophecy in the church. And in verse 30, uh, if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. Okay, so in verse 28 where it says um, keep quiet and in verse 30 where it says stop, both of those words are the same word same Greek word that Paul uses in verse 34 to say women should be silent. So, again, the question becomes, well, so is he telling the tongue speakers, uh, if there's nobody there to interpret, then you don't ever need to say a word ever again in the assembly? Or is he saying right there in that moment, you, you need to be quiet and let the rest of the, of the worship go on? And then the next time we have an interpreter, you're welcome to share your gift. Which one? First or the second? Probably the second. He's talking to prophets. Hey, we got these guys. God has given me a message. I am sharing it. Somebody else, God gives them a message. The first guy should stop. Stop prophesying. Stop prophesying ever. Don't say a word again in the assembly. Or stop in that moment. Just be quiet for a minute and let the other person who just got a message from God share that message. Which one? The second one. Women are to be silent in the church. Never say a word for all time. Don't, don't speak. Don't make any noise. Don't make any kind of utterance. Or maybe there's guidelines for when they can and can't speak. Just throwing that out there, okay? And, and this is one of the, the questions that we have to answer. Is, is Paul talking about women can't, even if, they, even, if there's, even if they're allowed to sing with the rest of the congregation, even if they're allowed to greet each other and say hello and good morning and those, you know, clear their throat. Can they make, can they make sounds uh, in worship? I mean, logic seems to tell us, okay, they can make a sound, right? So then... If, if they can make some kind of sound, if they can sing along, then where does, where does the silent part uh, come in at? And that's some, one of the things that we, have to, that we have to wrestle with. The other, okay, hold on just a second. I, I got you. The other thing is that we, if we, if we, if we um, go along with Paul saying, like, women can't speak in the assembly. I mean, they can sing, they can greet, they can clear their throat, those kind of things, but they can't. They definitely can't uh, make any audible 
I don't know, speeches, prophecies. They can't speak in tongues. They can't do those things because they're women. How do we, how do we allow that to fit with what we just talked about last week in chapter 11 where women were praying and prophesying and Paul is not addressing the praying and prophesying, he's just addressing the headgear that they're wearing when they do it. Well, what? and, and even, let's just, let's just go ahead and look at I mean, this is mm-hmm. like spoiler alert, but I know we have different questions that we still want to address here, but mm-hmm. I mean, even in verse 39 of this chapter, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's not all women stay silent all the time, every time the, the church is together. It doesn't feel like it. But what was your question or statement? Yes, sir. I think it depends on are you parsing one verse to have it say what what you want it to say, or are you taking the word as a whole Mm -hmm. and what uh, the message is from the Bible as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. Are women just never allowed to speak, or are they not allowed to be uh, leaders of the entire congregation? I, I agree with you. Uh, the statement was we had to be careful about just, to borrow your word, parsing you know, one verse and not paying attention to the whole context. I totally agree with you. I, and that's where we get ourselves in trouble a lot is, is lifting one verse up and shining a spotlight on it and not paying attention to the whole thing that we just, that we just lifted that out of. That's those big words you mentioned at the beginning of class. Yeah, the exegesis and the, and the hermeneutics. I think, but I think... That's why I wanted to mention at the beginning, like this is these two verses that we spend an awful lot of time discussing. I wouldn't even say arguing about discussing. Uh, it's two verses in a bigger context, and so I think as we as we talk about these two particular verses about women, we need to keep it within the context of the worship assembly, specifically how we use um, our spiritual gifts. Okay. And I go back again as we're, as we're talking about what, you know, how audible women can or can't be in the assembly. It, you, the Bible doesn't contradict itself, right? Does everybody agree with that? And Paul wouldn't contradict himself in his own letter, I don't think. And... Um, and, it, and even if he was going to contradict himself in his own letter, I, it, it just doesn't follow that he would say, you know, in cha- and I know he didn't write chapter 11, and the, you know, but in, in that part that we have in chapter 11 for him to say, women are praying and prophesying, but they need to have their head covered when they do it. And then, you know, three chapters later say, you know what? Forget what I said before. Uh, the whole headgear thing just don't even, he doesn't even go into that detail. I think he would have if he if he even changed his mind. I think he would have said, you know what I said before? Never mind. Don't don't even listen to that because I want women to be silent. It doesn't match. So I feel like I'll just go ahead and tell you. I feel like we can't look at this as just a a command of silence for women. Um, and still say that scripture always agrees with itself. Does that make sense? That, that scripture doesn't contradict itself. That Paul is, is, um, would, would contradict himself here just doesn't make sense to me. So I feel like there's got to be something else um, that we're getting at here, which is, again, what we're talking about. Um, Monty, anything we need to address? Yeah, a couple of things here. Okay. So one thought is, could silent be referred 
referring only to speaking. Mm -hmm. And then the other thought is, could we be addressing outside of the assembly here and it's more general? Uh, oh, a chapter 11, yeah, yeah. my bad. Yeah. I don't know who put this in. Yeah, because it's all anonymous. <laughs> yeah. So a couple things. One, one is that um, on, the, on the silent part, on the, on the word for silent, I don't, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if that's just about um, audibly saying things or, man, I have to look. I don't want to tell you the wrong thing, so I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you could also, I, I feel like, I feel like it can mean, also mean like a, leading a quiet life, which we'll look at when we get to First Timothy chapter 2. Um, I feel like it's the same word there, but I'm not positive, so I don't want to definitively say that. So I'll need to, that's a good question. I'll need to find out an answer about that. The other thing that, that Donovan is referring to uh, that he shared with me this last week is in chapter 11, um, he's, he was asking the question, uh, chapter 11, when he's talking about headgear and talking about head coverings, if that is referring to just in culture outside of um, the assembly, because later on in chapter 11, when Paul discusses how the Corinthian church was, was taking communion, that's when he first says, when you come together. So maybe the first part of chapter 11 um, is referring to just wives and women in general outside of, of the assembly itself. To which I would say, you know, I, I told him, I hadn't thought about that before. Uh, it could be because Paul seems to be addressing a cultural thing there. So he could be talking about make sure that women are, are wearing the correct um, head coverings and, and communicating uh, by their dress the, the correct messages in culture, you know, out in the community in general, not just in the assembly. Um, that could be. I, but, so that would, that would uh, address what I was saying about Paul potentially contradicting himself. Um, however, I would say that here in chapter 14, as we've already discussed, we are talking about, we're, we're for sure talking about the assembly. And even if we want to say, okay, well, yeah, but, but we're going to be silent, but, um, uh, you know, men, men could talk, but women couldn't. Even with that, if you go back to verse 26, where Paul says, um, what shall we say? My, my translation says brothers. That Greek word uh, uh, is from the word anthropos, where we get the word anthropology from, by the way. Um, and and it, it is a male-sounding Greek word, but it, it all, as far as I know, I can look it up later and, and come back and tell me if I was wrong. As far as I know, uh, that word refers to just that particular group of people regardless of gender, even though it's a masculine word. Does that make sense? So that's why in your newer, your newer NIV translations, yep. they, they translate that brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's both genders, okay? Mm -hmm. Both genders being referred to by that single word. Does that make sense? Okay. So if that's the case, then when he says brothers and sisters, uh, you know, brethren, I always say when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction. If it's everyone, that would be everyone, right? Yeah. 
male and female. And, and I want to reiterate that real quickly, too. Even at the very beginning of this chapter, starting in verse 1, it says, Follow the way of love and eager, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue, and I, I really dug into some of this, mm-hmm. that's gender neutral. Mm-hmm. It's like anyone and everyone who mm-hmm. speaks in the tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies, the one there is a gender-neutral reference who prophesies, speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging effort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Gender-neutral, he's not addressing men mm-hmm. in that opening paragraph. He's addressing anyone that has That's that particular right. ability. Paulette, I saw your hand. Okay, so on to 34 of the uh-huh. next sentence where it says, they are not allowed to speak. Uh-huh. So what is the Greek word for speak? What's... Uh, oh, like? or something like that. It's just it's making audible, um, just speaking words. It's I mean not speaking gibberish, but it's just a Greek word for talking. For just, uh, and it could be, it's a broad word. It could be talking in conversation. It could be up giving a speech. It's just I'm I'm making words <laughs> with my mouth. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I think that'll so be a. Maybe he's saying this is happening. Women, no, 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 no. This yes. is not how it should be going. We are definitely going to address that. We're, I mean, we're already out of time for for a class today. So, yeah. put whatever cap you want to put on it. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think there's a really good point here about, and we're gonna, and this is in our notes. We will be talking about this next week, or Monty and Marshall will be talking about this next week. It seems as if Paul may be calling them out on something they, they are enforcing upon their church and maybe they are saying. And so uh, we'll, we'll leave that as maybe like a cliffhanger. For yeah, that's right. So uh, we kind of knew ahead of time that this particular part of Scripture was going to take us a long time to discuss. So in our calendar, in our schedule, we had two weeks, for, <laughs> two weeks set aside for this particular um, section of Scripture. So I'd invite you to go back and read it on your own, study this week. Bring your handouts back with you. Make your notes. Bring them back with you next week. Um, because the other piece of this that we're going to look at, we've given you like multiple ways to look at this. Um, so we're not just telling you like, here's what it is. We want you to investigate like, which one of these do I think um, it is as well. But we do want to remind everybody those Greek words, like we haven't even addressed it yet. Could Paul just be talking to wives and not all women? And if, and if so, what is, how, do, how do we read this scripture with that in mind? Just another possibility we're going to talk about, okay? And I just want to say, you know, as we mentioned, as we started this class, this is intended to be an insights class. We're studying this for mm-hmm. what it was intended to be uh, and using it how, we, how God intended for us to use it. That's, that's our objective here. And so we welcome all the question, comments, conversations, and, and I even encourage it throughout the week. I know Marshall said he, he responds to some of the things on the Padlet during the week. Contact some of us. I've, mm-hmm. I've been contacted. Uh, if you, those of you who are attending connection groups, maybe this is a great topic, especially if you have one of the shepherds in your connection group. It'd be a great topic to continue the conversation. But that's what we're doing here. We are we are studying. This is a deep Bible study. That's our intention here. Money, yeah, Jeff. I'm just going to throw out every single week the Padlet's new, so you can go back to the handout any week and continue the discussion all week long. 
and we'll readdress and look in there and put thoughts in there too. And so you go back to any previous week, put stuff in there. We're using that as a way to collect questions and comments. And so just scan that code anytime, and that site will be live until we decide to shut it down. Yeah. So. Yeah. So feel free to do that during this week too. Or even later on this morning, put a question there. We'll get back to it. We may not get back to it today, but we will get back to it. We don't want to leave any questions unanswered. So, okay. Thanks for the time. We'll start worship here in about 12 minutes. Thank you for being here this morning.